Ministry Mentorship, Episode 28. Hello and welcome to this episode of Ministry Mentorship. This is Jacob Tapia, and you're listening to a podcast dedicated to connecting apostolic leaders with young ministers for the purpose of helping them develop in their ministry. Before we get started, let me just say that if you have a question, a testimony, or a comment about ministry mentorship, you can send us an email at jacobtapia at ministrymentorship.com. That's J-A-C-O-B-T-A-P-I-A at ministrymentorship.com. It's always a blessing to hear from our listeners. You can also help us spread the word about ministry mentorship by liking or tweeting this interview. Your help is greatly appreciated as we endeavor to connect apostolic leaders with young people. In this episode, we're going to be talking with Richard Davis. Brother Davis has served for many years as the editor of the Word of Flame publications of the United Pentecostal Church. He has a wealth of ministry experience and a love for young ministers. He recently founded a ministry called A Pastor's Friend Ministries and travels the country encouraging and uplifting the ministry. This interview will inspire you to do more for God as you listen to his story and his passion for the work of God. Let's join the conversation now. All right, we're glad to have Brother Richard Davis with us. He has been in ministry for 44 years, and 30 of those years he's worked at our headquarters in St. Louis, and he was uh, has served for 28 years as the Word of Flame uh, publications editor and has just done a fabulous job and recently retired. And we're so thankful to have him uh, talking with us today. Brother Davis, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Brother Tapia. It's uh, my delight and pleasure. Now, tell us a little bit of your story. Very well, I'll be happy to do that. First of all, I'll, I'll mention my, my family at the present time. I am a, a blessed man. I have a lovely wife, Sharon, to whom I have been married for nearly 40 years. In 40 years, we'll celebrate our anniversary this year. Together, we've raised three daughters, all of whom are married, families of their own, all serving God in their various capacities, and I'm very grateful for that. What more blessing could a man ask for than that his uh, family serve God? We're, We're so blessed. When I look back to my childhood, however, uh, you know, many apostolic preachers enjoy quite a pedigree of Pentecostal roots, but I cannot boast of that. I was not raised in the Pentecostal faith. When I was a child, my parents exercised no active religious affiliation or faith in God. They're good people. They raised us with character and integrity without any church experience, however. And... Some of my extended family were Baptists, so eventually I drifted toward that faith as just a young teenager, eventually committing my life to Christ a couple of times because I really wasn't satisfied. I, I had no relationship with God, just a, you know, uh, an experience shaking a preacher's hand, saying I wanted to be saved, and also being baptized in the titles down in Walker Lake, down in deep south Texas. But that was my early, early days, and I, I didn't have any Pentecostal roots at that time whatsoever. So talk a little bit about how you first uh, got started, maybe your, your, your call into the ministry and how you really got started as, as a young person. 
Well, it started out uh, all these years that uh, you know I was I was hungry for God, but all I knew was was what little bit I was able to you know discover through the Baptist Church. Uh, but but during these years, my mother hungered for God. She hungered for a real experience with God, and God led a Pentecostal lady to her who shared with her the gospel. And to make a long story short, eventually got our entire family started in the Pentecostal church. We began attending the United Pentecostal Church in Lovington, New Mexico at that time. It's where we were living. And I was baptized in Jesus' name in Lovington and received the Holy Ghost in the Texaco camp meeting at the age of 15. Tommy Kraft was the camp evangelist that year. Hmm. It was just over a year later that God called me to preach at the age of 17. I had a wonderful pastor, now deceased, Noel Flynn. I was so blessed as a teenager and new convert. Pastor Flynn used me greatly, preaching to the church, teaching a youth class, eventually taking care of services at churches throughout the section uh, that were needing a fill-in because he was the sectional presbyter at that time. I cleaned the bathrooms, I waxed the hardwood floors of the sanctuary, I helped with maintenance chores on the outside of the building. Pastor Flynn taught me about ministry from the simplest, most mundane duties, all the way to the sublime experiences of sharing one's soul with others through preaching. I'm very grateful for that. He was a great mentor to me, even though he did not have a prominent name or position in our movement, and he helped shape my life as a young man preaching in the local church. From there, in Lovington, I, uh, I went on to Texas uh, Bible College in Houston. From there, I learned from many great men and women in the classroom and had wonderful experiences there. received my Bachelor of Theology from Texas Bible College in 1976. I also became, during that time, I became acquainted with some of the most prominent pastors and churches in the United Pentecostal Church movement at that time, because they were right there within a 50-mile radius of, of Houston, some of the greatest churches in our movement back in those days. Sharon and I were married after my second year in Bible college, and uh, so after we graduated in 1976, she and I moved to her home state, Alabama, where I continued to learn and grow in ministry. Her dad was a great help to me. He went about endeavoring to reopen a, a church uh, that had been closed down in Opelika, Alabama, a twin city to Auburn. A lot of folks have heard of Auburn, Auburn University. While we were not ultimately successful in that particular endeavor, God put us through an intense boot camp over the next 11 months, and I wouldn't take anything for the experiences that we gained over over that year. And there we went on to, to do other works there in the district. We pastored in Addison, Alabama for two years, and following that experience, a brief, uh, a brief interlude in which I assisted my father-in-law and then we moved back to Houston, Texas in 1980 to teach at my alma mater there at TDC. 
We spent three wonderful years there serving under Tommy Jackson for the first two years and then under uh, the JRNZ prior to moving to St. Louis in March 1983 to serve as associate editor of Wordplay Publications under Tommy Jackson. It was then in 1985 that the general board asked me to take the reins of the department as editor, a capacity in which I labored for about 28 years, and in total I served in the literature area for almost 31 years, having just ended that this past December 31. You know, looking back over that time, that, that growing period, what were some of the things that stand out to you? Maybe some experiences or some of the things that you think about even even to this day that, that helped you and laid the foundation for your ministry? Well, first of all, opportunity. Um, you know, I often tell, tell writers, uh, aspiring writers who want to write, I said, the best thing you can do is write. Hmm. And for a preacher... Obviously, the best thing he can do is preach. But I recognize, you know, that getting the opportunity to fill pulpits in our day and age is quite different from it, what it was in the earlier days when I was starting preaching. But I was very blessed to have a pastor who used me extensively. Other uh, men of God in the area that used me, we had churches there in the section that that uh, when they would be without a pastor, sometimes I would spend several months going down, taking care of services for them on Sunday. You can't even you can't even buy that kind of exposure to involvement in ministry. Yeah. Now. You know, that's just, that's preaching. It's, uh, you feel called to preach, and, and it's preaching, and you learn through that. But obviously, there are many other experiences that are so helpful along the way. Uh, through the years that we were in Houston, I became uh, uh, very close to Bo James Kilgore there. That's where, when we went back to teach there, that was the congregation closest to the college, and the congregation that we chose to affiliate with for my family uh, in the years that we were teaching there. And so he became our pastor, dedicated my youngest, the youngest of my three daughters, Marla, dedicated her to the Lord. Billy Kilgore was, what a great help to me, not not Mm -hmm. only just being there in Life Tabernacle and watching the way he conducted services, the way he communicated with people, the way he loved people, but also being personally the recipient of that on so many occasions. When I got the call to come to headquarters in 1983, one of the first things I did was uh, uh, set up an appointment. He wanted to meet at Hojo's, Howard Johnson's to the uninitiated. <laughs> and there at Howard Johnson's, we sat over a, a meal at lunchtime and and I explained to him uh, what I was struggling with, what I was considering, and he just gave me some of the most invaluable advice that a pastor could ever give to anybody, you know, and just just guided me with such wisdom. And to be exposed to people of, of wisdom, to pastors of wisdom who have a heart for the young minister and are more than happy to give them their time helping to to guide your steps and 
And those are some of the things that really stand out to me, just opportunities to hear great preachers, to be around great preachers, and to learn from from preachers. Uh, years we were in Alabama, I, I taught at the uh, Alabama youth camp there. And uh, I was around some great young people. Now some of them are, uh, I think of two young ladies in particular, both married to pastors, both in the Houston area, wonderful young ladies that I first became acquainted with teaching them at a Alabama youth camp. And so these are the kinds of things that can form and shape a person's life, I think. It's, it just happens through doing it, but obviously uh, doing it is easier said than done. One has to have opportunities, and for that, I think it, it requires associating with somebody who can be like a mentor in your life, which obviously, first of all, requires your uh, pastoral involvement and approval. It may or may not be your pastor, but if it's not your pastor, it certainly needs his approval before um, before developing that kind of a relationship. I think I mentioned my first uh, such mentor was Brother Noel Flynn, but I also uh, had another mentor relationship in my life between Brother Flynn and Brother Kilgore, and that was Warren McKibben. Both Brother Flynn and Brother McKibben have gone on to their reward, and I miss them greatly, but Brother Warren McKibben was actually my pastor when I graduated from high school, where I made the decision to go to Texas Bible College as a student. And uh, he, like Brother Flynn, used me so much in ministry in the local church and just was a tremendous um, uh, mentor and, and played a great role in my development during those very formative years. Let's talk a little bit about your work with the Word of Flame publications. You've You've been involved in, in writing and editing for many years. What what kind of responsibilities did you have? And, and talk a little bit about how that plays into your passion for writing. Sure. Well, what what we did primarily was, uh, as, as associate editor, I was helping to do this. And then as editor, it became my uh, my primary responsibility to do this or to, to see that it was done by other staff members, and that was the preparation on a quarterly basis of Sunday school literature for nine different levels of uh, learning ages, and uh, to prepare this material, have it ready, have it ready to ship out on time, to produce in a cost-effective way. So this this was was what we were responsible for, but it's a great opportunity. Somebody once made the statement that writing is a broad pulpit. It gave me the opportunity to touch far more people than than I would ever have the opportunity to touch or to reach uh, just through my own uh, my own life and uh, experiences. But well, just the adult literature alone. We calculated many years ago that that we easily touched over a hundred thousand students every week. Wow! Well, we really don't know how many that we're touching, mm. because how many classes are taught just from an adult teacher's manual, and they don't even purchase student books. The only way that we had to gauge and even make an estimate was by the purchase of adult student books, and so we knew 
that we were touching in very conservatively over 100,000 adult students every week. Mm. What kind of a ministry can, can you be involved in that you're touching that kind of people? And these are people not only throughout the United Pentecostal Church, but also without, throughout the apostolic movement, uh, the Pentecostal Assemblies of the World, many other smaller black uh, oneness apostolic movements. Uh, just a great opportunity to, to reach and touch people. So I tell folks, if you want to make an impact that will reach farther than you can reach, touch more people than you can touch, and live longer than you will live, then write. Write. It gives you a great opportunity to make a difference in the lives of others and to help establish them in the apostolic faith. And that's what we did. We edited it. We were responsible and obviously had a heart to make sure that it was number one uh, apostolic in doctrine, that it was correct. Of course, there is for the United Pentecostal Church an editor-in-chief to ensure doctrinal correctness, but we always felt like and maintained uh, the, the number one priority that when it left our department, we wanted it to be uh, correct doctrinally because that was our passion to teach truth, apostolic Bible doctrine to, uh, to people, whether, you know, throughout the movement, whether they were the very youngest of students in the toddler nursery classes or whether it was your oldest students in the adult class, we wanted to touch them and make a difference in their life through truth, apostolic Bible truth. Let's say there's a young person out there when this podcast is focused on the 18 to 30-year-old age bracket. What do you tell a young person that, that says, you know, I want to get started in writing? Well, I think I, I made the reference to the statement a little earlier. I'll say it again. If you want to write, write. Now, that sounds trite, but it's true. Writing is not a conceptual, uh, mental only exercise. It is a skill and a craft that one can only develop, hone it, and perfect it through actual experience. Now, maybe that writing is just for yourself. Maybe it may begin by writing uh, in a daily uh, diary, just uh, writing about your day's experiences. But every time you sit down to write, whatever it is, whatever your intended audience may be, you are developing a skill. You're honing a craft. Obviously, one should take writing courses and study writing styles of, of one's favorite writers. But most of all, sit down and write. Exercise the discipline of writing. That's, that's foremost important. But secondly, I, I think every writer should find a good editor, someone skilled, uh, crafted in the area of writing, who would be willing and able to polish your work, give you constructive, critical feedback on your writing, and then be willing to accept their help. There's too many people who, who feel that they're writers, but they feel that they need no help, that their work's beyond proof, it's beyond correction. Not so. Even experienced writers and editors need editors. I need an editor 
I've done this for a few years now, but I need an editor because there are blind spots in my writing that I'm I'm too close to it emotionally, too close to it uh, experientially to see the blind spots. But when I give that over to somebody else, they're detached from it emotionally, they're detached from it experientially, and they they can read it as a non-biased observer. They can see the blind spots. They can give me good input. So we all need editors. When we when we put our work down, set it aside after a time of inspiration, we've got to get away from that writing, get some distance away from it emotionally. And then sometime later, preferably several days later if you've got the time, but set it aside for a few days. Then go back to it when you're when it's completely cooled off emotionally, you, you wrote from the emotions, now go back to it, to your inspiration, your emotions. Go back to it with a hard, a cold, a critical, and ruthless side with the intended desire to improve it, to correct it, to find blind spots. So we all need that kind of discipline in our writing, and it's just that some, some people don't, don't recognize that. And so that's a major part of developing as a writer. Now, you know, on a practical level, I would offer another suggestion or two. District paper editors are often begging for content. They're looking here and there. They're picking up articles wherever they can pick up articles. Uh, contact a district paper editor and see if they'd be willing to work with you and uh, offer them an article or two. Believe me, if, if they're if they're needy and hungry for it, they'll they'll take it and they'll work with you and they'll they'll help you. One of the things I regret most in years that I I edited and working closely, especially with the adult level, is that time we, we just didn't have the luxury of time of really working with writers in in the way of giving them feedback. Uh, to help them improve. And I regret that. We, Of course, we started the Pentecostal Writers Institute with the desire to help uh, improve writing skills and all, but that's only a, you know, a few days, and it's, it's very limited in what we can do and the way we can help people in just a few days' time. The way that you can help a writer the most is give him a, a, a tracked copy of his edited work and let him work through that and and give him reasons why you changed this and talk to him about it. Some of it's subjective, some of it's personal opinion as an editor, but other things, there are very sound reasons for why those changes are made. And, and if I were a writer starting out today, I, and I did this as a young writer, I take my work after the editors got through with it, and I compare it word for word. I want to know every word they changed, not to get offended, but to learn. Why did he change that? It's good. So those those are some ways to get started. And I would also suggest to seek out those uh, that are at headquarters who are publishing Sunday School Literature, whatever particular level that they may be developing and working with at a, at a particular time, uh, they may be open to receive some writing. You can offer them some samples. If, if your samples connect with the editors who are working with that, it could be an open door. Hey, the worst that can happen is they may say no. You know, they're not able to use it this time. But no harm done. Just um, 
there's still plenty of district paper editors and, and newspapers and there there are opportunities. We just have to seek them out. And like I said, most of all, just sit down and write if it's in your own journal every day because that's giving you experience. Let's just say that there's a young person that says, well, you know, Brother Davis, I've, I've got this article on my computer. I've been working on it for a month. I've got some writing, some some things that I've put down on paper. But who would want to hear what I have to say? Who would even, who would, who would I even you know, maybe this is an insecurity that we have as writers at times where we think, well, who would even care about what I have to say? How how would you respond to that? Well, uh, perhaps my initial response would be, who would who would care to hear what you have to preach? And and I think the answer, which perhaps may or may not be self-evident, is whoever the Lord inspired you to preach that message for. And, you know, maybe we're preaching to a hundred people that particular night, but you know, as well as I, there may be just a handful of people that, that were just primed and ready for what God inspired you as a preacher to preach that night. Other preachers have preached it other times, but it didn't, it didn't connect with them. But that was your night. It was your inspiration from God. God gave you that for somebody. And I believe that God gives writers things for somebody. So who would want to hear it? I believe the person who's prime and ready to hear the message that God inspired you to write, whatever it may be. Sometimes, I, sometimes I've written out of anger. Let me explain. I, you know, I've I've come back from conferences sometimes and and angry. You know, why why did those guys you know do that? Why did they make that decision? That's mm-hmm. they weren't thinking straight, you know, and and sit down and write out of anger, really. But then, utilizing what I mentioned earlier, setting that aside and come back to it and say, oh, maybe I'm a little hard there, and you you begin to soften it and you begin to shape it and you begin to critique your own uh, words and, uh, you know, what, uh, you know, what's my rationale here? What's my, what's my scriptural basis? And you begin to build it more and more. But I, I say that in order to come back to where we were talking about, that that article ended up in, in a uh, district uh, paper hmm. because it really, it really was about Loving our brother and our sister and getting along and not fighting. We're not enemies. We're on the same team. We may disagree sometimes, but, you know, and so those particular words, God inspired me, even though it started out with a a bit of anger, really. It really was inspirational. And and so there was a a target audience that God had in mind um, through the avenue and venue of a district paper. And so who would want to read it? You know, you may be surprised and uh, who would benefit from reading uh, your particular writing. And so you just never know. If that's what God's called you to do, he inspired you for a reason. So I say, you know, learn how to uh, to perfect the craft of writing. Prepare yourself. Obviously, you uh, you know, the the guy has to sharpen the sickle before he gets out into the field of harvest, or he's just going to beat the wheat to death. 
And so it is with the writer. You've got to prepare yourself. But if you learn the craft, take the time, the discipline necessary to to become a better writer, a better communicator through the venue of words, then God can use you just like he uses a preacher with inspiration to, to touch somebody. And, and, of course, again, it's finding the open door. I mean, a preacher may feel like he's got a great message that God's inspired him to preach, but he's got to have a pulpit to preach it from. And so, but God opens doors. And when the time is right, he can open a door for writing the same as he can for preaching a message. Oh, that's great. That, that's that's very good. Thank you for that answer. That's wonderful. And I know that's going to help somebody, uh, somebody out there that maybe they're, they've got something on their, their desktop, on their computer, and they've been thinking, you know, what am I going to do with this? And maybe... Maybe it's time to put that in an email and send it to somebody, send it to an editor, send it to uh, your pastor. Maybe they can uh, send it to their some of their ministry friends. But I thank, thank you for that, Brother Davis. Now, yes, you, you started a website recently, and, and this ministry, now that uh, you've kind of retired from, from Word of Flame Publications, and it's uh, of Pastor's Friend Ministries, and it's apfministries.com. Talk to us a little bit about this ministry and, and where this is kind of coming from. I'm glad that you asked, and I'm happy to talk about it, because obviously that's my life in ministry now since December 31, and uh, I've made quite a transition here, and we're in the process now of scheduling uh, uh, events for pastors throughout the nation, getting very excited about it. Um, knowing that my transition from Word of Flame into a traveling ministry was approaching, I set up this website in order to give pastors an opportunity to see some of my heart and some of the areas of ministry that I believe that I can assist them with. Of course, I've spent over three decades, you know, on just about any biblical topic that you can imagine, so I'm I'm very comfortable with, with most any topic of doing a seminar, or preaching, teaching, whatever the, the need may be. And the name that I chose, a pastor's friend ministry, that goes back to my pastoral experiences there in the state of Alabama. I know from personal experience that pastoring can be grueling, challenging, sometimes painful, and very often lonely. I sometimes wondered back in my pastoral days, I wondered, who ministers to the preacher? You know, uh, he's always getting calls. I get calls through the middle of the night, you know, saints in the church that were sick and wanting prayer. I was happy to pray for him. But I, when I was hurt and when I was frustrated, I thought, who, who ministers to me? Yeah. You know, and maybe that was a little bit of self-pity, but it was also a recognition that the pastoral ministry can be very lonely, and so while my ministry is not exclusively directed to pastors, I do want pastors to understand that I won't hurt you. I know the challenges that they face every week, and I want to lift them up and lift up their weary hands, not hurt them or detract from their ministry and what they've got going on in their community. I want to help them with their mission, whatever that, whatever they see that mission to be, that becomes my mission, whether it's for one service or for a series of services. 
and hence came the name of Pastors Friend Ministries. I will admit, some of it's, uh, uh, you know, purely for convenience. I added the word A because I already, when I felt this and I got to looking out there doing web search searches, I already found some Pastors Friend Ministries. <laughs> yeah. So I wasn't, uh, it wasn't, I wasn't the first one to have this thought, but by adding the A on there, well, I was able to get me a domain and uh, began to build my own website. So that's basically what it's about. It is to introduce myself. I'm sure that in days and years to come, as the Lord carries and gives me strength and help, uh, it'll probably take on uh, nuances and changes that I may not even uh, imagine right now in providing perhaps. Uh, resources through through my MEPS website, maybe associated websites in times to come. Uh, for instance, uh, you're you're talking to a writer who has never really joined the uh, uh, the blogosphere. Hmm. Well, it, it doesn't have so much to do with my age. I, I will admit I come from an age uh, before the web and before computer and internet and all of those things, but I'm comfortable navigating all of that, so I don't I don't mind that. But during the years that I have spent here at Word of Flame, I just did not have the emotional energy to come home and sit down to a blog and write for what? Yeah. <laughs> for somebody to stumble over accidentally my, my writing. So I just didn't have the emotional energy for it. So now I know that I'll be doing other writing of course, I'll continue writing some Sunday school lessons for them uh, at headquarters and so forth. But uh, I'll be doing and focusing on some of the writing that I wanted to do. For instance, I I have a humor book in the works. I I believe that laughter does good like a medicine, and I think that we all need some good medicine once in a while. So I I'm working on a book of humor hmm. to, uh, to try to give all of our folks an opportunity to. Uh, I have a little downtime, a little light time, and we can laugh at ourselves and laugh at our experiences and uh, and just relax a little bit. So um, that's that's the purpose of the website is to introduce folks to my ministry that I feel at this time as I begin to travel uh, across North America and try to minister to pastors and to saints from congregation to congregation. That's wonderful. And I know, you know, even in my own assistant pastorship, the things that I'm doing, uh, working in the church and even evangelizing a campus pastor, youth pastor, I know sometimes uh, just having a listening ear means more than anything right. in the world. And and, and I, we're going to put this website uh, and make that available on our website. It's it's apfministries.com. And I know That's this is right. going to be a great resource to, to many of our pastors, what advice can you give a young minister? Just in closing and kind of encapsulating this, what can you give a young minister that says, "You know, Brother Davis, I feel like God's calling me to ministry"? What would you tell that young person? Well, the first thing that I would tell that young person is to find a mentor or mentors with whom you can work and from whom you can learn about ministry. I recognize that that's a great challenge today uh, for God called young preachers, that they have a challenge today that I didn't really face quite the same way in my day. In fact, 
you know, back in my early ministry days, you didn't dare drop by a church passing through on vacation without a message ready. Hmm. Because as soon as the pastor found out you were a preacher, you were going to preach that service. (laughs) It's not that way now, as you well know, and Mm -hmm. that's a good thing. But it is more difficult for young preachers today. At least it's different. It's not like it was 44 years ago. And you know it, I know it, but fortunately, God knows it. He knows you know, it hadn't surprised him. And so the young minister, he's got to find somebody that he or she can follow around, work with, and learn from. And now, obviously, this begins with one's pastor. And if the prospective mentor is not one's pastor, one must seek his or her pastor's approval. That pastoral authority and approval is vital in the long term to ministerial development and success. So don't try to bypass that. But do seek out uh, somebody or some bodies. Sometimes it's more than one that God blesses us with in our life and that you can learn from and develop from. As I said earlier, I'm blessed. I've had three major pastors in my life. Of course, I've had many pastors, but but some of them were were like peer relationships. And I say that with all respect because I, I respect them as pastors. Um, in my life and, and pastors and congregations where I can service and, and I subject myself to them. But, but it's more of a peer pastor relationship, whereas I've had three major pastors in my life who contributed significantly to who and what I am. So blame them. <laughs> first of all, first of all, Noel Flynn impacted me greatly during my earliest days of ministry and and then he was followed by Warren McKibben, also a great mentor to me. Both of those men are dead, gone on to their reward. And neither of them had prominent names within the apostolic movement. But you know what? It doesn't have to be a person who is prominent. It just has to be somebody who loves you as a as a minister, a developing minister, and is willing to put some time in you, to invest some time into you. It was a developing season for my ministry, and they both played significant roles. I missed them greatly. But then finally, during the years I taught at TBC, Pastor James Kilgore was a great inspiration, mentor to me, and I thank God for him. I still counsel with him whenever I am able, and I thank God that he's still around, even though well up into years. So again, that's what I would say is seek, seek those avenues where you can grow. And the only way we can really grow is by exposing ourselves to those who who can help to shape us, guide us, inspire us. And sometimes you get it from different areas. Sometimes there's somebody in your life that's an inspiration to you, absorb that inspiration. Somebody else maybe mentors you in the way that you uh, do things, maybe the way you organize or whatever. And then I think we all can think of individuals who will drag us down. Stay away from those those. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I'm not saying be unchristian to them, but I am saying don't. Don't try to uh, develop under the tutelage of those who who are negative and who will drag you down because it it will have an impression and impact on you the same as if they were positive. So uh, avoid those negative experiences as much as possible. Most of all, pray, give yourself to God, and let God use you 
in whatever way. He'll open the doors wherever he wants you to walk. Walk through them with faith and confidence in him. Amen. That's so true. And uh, thank you for that. Brother Davis, I wonder in closing if you could just say a prayer over that young person right now that feels a call to ministry and, and maybe even feels a call even further to writing and, and to using the written word to spread the gospel. I wonder if, if you could just pray for that young person right now in closing. Uh, I'd be happy to do that. And thank you, Brother Tapia, for this opportunity. And it's a delight to be able to to share into the lives of young, aspiring men and women feeling the call of God on their lives. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for those who have felt the call of God to ministry, whatever shape or form that ministry may be taking in their lives. I thank you for that call. We know the call comes from you, and it's not an occupation. It's not something that we aspire to do, but calling is so personal and so intimate and so connected to you, Lord, that it comes from you. We recognize first and foremost, this is not our church. Lord, it doesn't belong to us. It belongs to you. And you call us to work at the vineyard as you desire to place us. And I'm just asking you that you would reach out there to all of these young men and women, wherever they may be and whatever calling they may be feeling on their lives. Perhaps it's a pulpit ministry they feel. Maybe it's teaching ministry somewhere. Maybe, Lord, it's uh, using a pen, a word processor to craft words that would inspire others through the medium of writing. But whatever that ministry may be, God, I pray that you would lay your hand upon them. You would guide and guard and watch over their steps. You would lead them into relationships that would advance their calling, that would help them to grow in the calling as you have designed it. Lord, we're not all called to do the same thing. You know what you desire to use us in. And we open our heart to that. We give ourselves to you without reservation. Lord, whatever it is you have for us, may we accept humbly with grace the calling that you place in our lives, the doors that you open to us, and which you give us, Lord, the courage, the faith, the inspiration to walk through them, not in our own self-confidence so long, but in confidence that you have called us and you will go with us and you will be with us every step of the way. Thank you for them. Thank you for your touch. And may your Holy Spirit, God, give anointing and direction to everyone who feels and re- responds to that call. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Boy, thank you, Brother Davis. I, I just appreciate your insight. And uh, we just, we're going to make your website available. And, and if there's any pastors that are listening, I, I'd encourage you to, to check out this website. And, and uh, please feel free to connect with, with Brother Davis. I, I know he'd appreciate it. But thank you so much again for being with us, Brother Davis. God bless you, Brother Tapia. And God bless this, this great ministry of, of helping guide young men and women through You've been listening to a Ministry Mentorship Podcast with Jacob Tapia. Find out more about this resource by going to ministrymentorship.com where you'll find more interviews, inspirational quotes, and other resources to help you develop your ministry. Thanks for listening, and God bless.